Change your negative self-talk of discouragement, doubt, and fear by dwelling on biblical truths with the author of Dwell on These Things, John Stonge, on episode 151 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. I'm amazed at how the Lord allowed me to experience that crisis season, but how that was really a a launch pad for things that very much are part of my life right now. And I look at it very differently from how I did in the moment, because in the moment I I was feeling crushed. I was feeling emotionally low. And, uh, And now I look back at it and I'm so grateful that I was put in that kind of spot because it forced me to think differently about how I was approaching a variety of things. Hi, this is Chris McClure, author of The Way to Greatness, The Five Continual Choices That Lead to the Great Life. You're on the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, helping you to discover your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. It is my privilege to be with you to help you to navigate through adverse conditions and negative events that happen in your life and to emerge, get through them, navigate through them to a better place, a place we like to call the promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. The temptation, the thing that happens so often is we get stuck. And our guest today, John Stange, says there is no need to remain stuck in unhelpful thoughts, and he's going to help us learn how we can fill our mind with encouraging, life-enriching truths through the gospel-saturated message of a relationship with Jesus Christ through his website, DesireJesus.com. His many books, including his latest book, Dwell on These Things. Here at Beyond Adversity, we're here to be helpful to you. Our website is drbradmiller.com. There we have many, many, many episodes of this podcast with great leaders and thought leaders and doctors and clinicians and people who have emerged through their own crisis in life to emerge to a better place. And these episodes can be helpful to you, and we have a free gift for you there as well at drbradmiller.com. Our guest today is John Stange. He is the lead pastor of the Core Creek Community Church in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, as well as an adjunct professor at Karen University, and he teaches counseling, theology, and church planting. He is a speaker and a trainer with the John Maxwell team and is also on the National Mission Board of his church, which focuses focuses on church planting and church health. He has three podcasts, the Chapter a Day Audio Bible, Daily Devotions with Pastor John, and Dwell on These Things, and they've been downloaded more than 5 million times. I encourage you to check them out. In our conversation today, we talk about how to be encouraged by the Bible and by things of a spiritual nature and by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ 
as well as choosing to move through a process of our own accord. And his book, Dwell on These Things, is about a change of mind that comes when we choose to replace negativity by dwelling on or thinking about biblical things or good things, to think on good things. We have a great discussion about many things, including the habits, the dynamics, and the, uh, the loving relationships that are employed here, the hard times he had in his life and some discouraging moments that he had to get through. It's very, very insightful and helpful. He is a prolific writer. Many books uh, that you can check out, including a free book at his website, desirejesus.com. His latest book is a 31-day process to help you to replace negative self-talk with good stuff, especially of a biblical nature. You're going to love this conversation, especially if you're a man or woman of faith. But I think all people are going to benefit from our conversation today with John Stange. He is the author of Dwell on These Things. He blogs at DesireJesus.com. Let's get into our conversation on Beyond Adversity right now. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to, to be here, too. I noticed that you said you were the father of four great kids. I was hoping you wouldn't say, you know, two great kids and two stinkers or something like that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, that that's awesome, man, that you are, have a family life and that you have an accomplish, some accomplishments in your life uh, regarding your reading or your writing and your teaching and your leadership and your podcasting. But thank you for being with us. And what we're about here uh, today is helping learn from you about some of the processes that you do in your life to help transform your life, because uh, it's my belief that uh, everyone needs to have a transformed life, and some of us get stuck in various areas in life, and we've got to take, you know, very intentional actions to to get unstuck and to lead us to a life of what I like to call a life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and I just wonder, John, you got all these accomplishments, but has there ever been a time when you've been stuck, ever been a time when you had to have some adversity to face? (laughs) <laughs> completely and uh and you would certainly identify with this uh, one of uh, the aspects of my ministry as a pastor has been church planting and uh in 2008 our family moved to Langhorne Pennsylvania we uprooted our family i remember i presented uh to my to my wife the idea that uh i i said hey let, let's move down there let's start a church it comes with no guaranteed salary i don't know where we will live and we don't have an, a, a congregation assembled yet and i said what do you think do you want to uproot with four small kids at that point and uh and to my amazement and uh and and gratefulness she was very much on board with that but as you can well identify there are peaks and there are valleys in your life when you're doing things like that. And I hit a real valley when we got to about 2014. So about six years into the process, 2014, 2015, uh, I went through a season there where I was dealing with a lot of discouragement, a, a lot of self-doubt. Uh, one of the things that was also a, a real struggle was that was a season where the church wasn't able to pay me uh, a salary for a season because the finances of the church were not at a healthy point. And uh, it, it was really a mental, emotional, and spiritual struggle for me where I was certain I was doing what God had called me to do, but I was being tested 
in every direction. And I just remember that being probably one of the, the most discouraged seasons of my life. And it's not even that too terribly long ago. It's only six years ago, but uh, it, it, it's fresh in my mind like it was yesterday or even today. Well, you can be on board with things like you said, your wife was on board with you and you felt this in the terminology you and I couple with a calling or a leading to, to do things for other people that might be kind of a pivot in life, things like this. That you do something, you go in faith a little bit, but reality tends to smack us in the face once in a while, doesn't it? And, it sure does. <laughs> uh, we have have to deal with the, with the reality, and and so the choice we have to make then, when when the season of discouragement comes, like you said, is what do we do about it? You can stay stuck, you can stay, you know, kind of in your misery. I call it the malaise of mediocrity or the malaise of of, of uh, misery, where you can stay stuck, or you can do something about it. What were some of the things? What are some of the actions? Or what are some things you did? to deal with that season of, uh, that you mentioned? There, there were probably three key things. Prayer, talking to people that I trust, and taking some action to diversify my income streams. And so I remember actually being in the parking lot of an electronics store. And I don't even remember what I was at the electronics store for, but I was there. It was a nice day. I was sitting in my car. The radio was on, and a song came on just reminding me of the fact that I can trust the Lord to lead my life. And so I remember praying and just asking the Lord to show me what I needed to do to make sure that our family was taken care of financially so that I can continue doing what I felt like he had called me to do. And that's really where I got into the process of writing books. I started writing books. It was, you know, it was very soon after that, that I I felt like, uh, that idea was given to me, and and uh, I really started to pursue that, and that started to take off, and then that led to podcasting, and that led to blogging, and that led to speaking, and and uh, then that led to a, a book deal with a traditional publisher. And it's interesting as I watch over the course of the past six years, I'm amazed at how the Lord allowed me to experience that crisis season, but how that was really a a launch pad for things that very much are part of my life right now. And I look at it very differently from how I did in the moment, because in the moment I, I was feeling crushed. I was feeling emotionally low. And, uh, and now I look back at it and I'm so grateful that I was put in that kind of spot because it forced me to think differently about how I was approaching a variety of things. Mm, I love what you just said there. John, but crisis as a launch pad, mm-hmm. uh, rather than crisis as a, you know, crash into the ditch somewhere, you know, right. where so many folks just stay stuck or crash and burn. Mm-hmm. And you used it as a launch pad. And I heard you say at least three things that you did, prayer, connections with people and the actions. And some of the actions you took were, were writing and blogging and podcasting. Right. You know, that gets important for, for people to, uh, to know. Do you ever see people in your ministry or in your encounters in your writing who have um, been a little bit stuck and need a little encouragement in order to get unstuck? All the time. And, and it's interesting because some people are ready for the help to get unstuck. And there are other people who choose to remain stuck. And I have to say that in my role, that's one of the most frustrating things to deal with because I don't know how to change somebody's mind. You know, I, I don't know. I, I can offer my help. I can offer encouragement. I can, I can try and point somebody in the right direction. But I've learned that ultimately, if somebody doesn't own it themselves, 
if they don't ultimately value it or or desire it or get to that spot where they their their mind is open to it there's not much you can do more than just be a, a faithful friend and commit them to prayer and uh, continue to be there for them and say hey when you're ready I'll still be here but at times I I I see people stay stuck and and uh, and sometimes I I almost wonder if some people I've interacted with kind of want to stay stuck. Oh, I, it, yeah. It, it just I, I believe that's the case. The thing I to believe, complain about, yeah. I believe some, a lot of people are just kind of, uh, like I said, just kind of comfortable in their misery, so to speak, and uh, choose to stay there because the pain, for whatever reason, is not great enough, you know, to warrant change. Or sometimes the pain come or the, the, uh, the, manifestations of the pain do turn up so late in the process that they have gone, you know, the momentum's taken to a, a deep, dark place. They have a hard time getting, getting out of and, right. uh, and the pain of getting out is we know, you know, is it's not always pleasant either to, to get out right. of the these places when you are, are stuck. But uh, tell me about, you mentioned uh, prayer and you mentioned some of the, spiritual resources that you draw upon. Mm-hmm. I believe change can't take place without drawing on a power greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how that came into play in your life of your personal transformation and what you teach others, drawing on a power greater than yourself. I, I know for me, it can be very easy for somebody in my role as a pastor to start wrapping your sense of identity and well-being around that role and what people think of your performance in that role and things of that nature. And I think at one point I was starting to wrap my identity around that role instead of thinking about the things that are eternally true of me because of my walk with Christ. And so, you know, Scripture tells me that that in, in my relationship with Him, I am loved, I am adopted into His family, I am um, viewed bl- blamelessly and as holy in, in in the eyes of of God the Father, and I look at that and I think I need to start wrapping my sense of identity around things that will be eternally true of me, not things that are only temporarily true of me. So in eternity, I'm not going to be a pastor. In eternity, I'm just a child of God, and uh, so I can't wrap my sense of well being or my identity around a temporary role or a temporary stewardship or even how someone thinks I navigate that temporary role. So you have to go to a deeper place and yeah. that's, uh, that's what, and that's what you chose uh, to do mm-hmm. by some of your, uh, some of your processes that you have your, as you mentioned about prayer and people in action. And then uh, there's also, I believe, you know, this emotional element to mm-hmm. transformation that, that takes place and the emotions are almost always wrapped up in one way or another with our uh, relationship with other people. You know, I believe that the, the the spiritual aspect is when we draw power from that place beyond ourselves, but interpersonally with the people in our lives is a place to draw some strength and, and some encouragement and, and accountability. Tell me a little bit about relationships, especially loving relationships, be they interpersonal or perhaps sometimes uh, mentorships, you know, books, tapes, this type of thing. Tell me a little about uh, the emotional element in transformation for you. Yeah, I, I know for me, one of the things that I have learned is that I deal with much more anxiety or worry in my life when I try and do things alone. Mm-hmm. When I share the burden with others, people that I can trust, 
I feel so much better about almost everything I'm doing. <laughs> and um, I remember in the midst of that season, which I really felt was kind of a, a pretty low season for me, uh, I reached out to a few friends. And I, I was actually talking to one of those friends just yesterday. And I thanked him for the conversation at that time. Because I remember he and I, we just met at a, uh, at a restaurant. We just sat down and we talked. And one of the things that he did for me was he just listened and uh, allowed me to just share some of the things that were on my mind and on my heart. And he comes from a position of, of leadership, so he could understand many of those things. And to have someone who can identify with uh, just the, the natures of some of those peaks and valleys that, that I would deal with in my role was immensely helpful. And it was also helpful for me not to keep it tucked away. I think so many times we suffer in silence because we're unwilling to bear our soul to other people. And so we just try and carry a burden that we really are not designed to carry alone. And I, I remember thanking him that day and just saying, you know, essentially, thank you for helping me to carry this burden today. And since that time, it's become more and more obvious to me that I need to, to keep people like that close by in my life. There are a series of people like that that I have realized that I really need their help. If I'm, if I'm ultimately going to do what I think I'm supposed to do, they really need to be part of this process with me because I'm going to need to lean on them uh, for the strength that they can provide. And I, I believe that they're a gift from God to me. Uh, sure. People in my life that I can trust, people that I can share very transparently with, and then just listen to as they have helpful feedback. I think that that's an important part of, of growth for all of us, but I know that that's certainly been an immensely helpful thing for me. Yes, you uh, mentioned, I think, two aspects of this particular relationship you mentioned here that I think are important and and uh, and, and are loving and caring. That is accountability and encouragement. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I believe that uh, a dynamic relationship that helps us grow, helps us transform, has at least those two elements and probably others as well. And we can draw upon that from, uh, I have a covenant group of a couple of other uh, pastors who I meet with on a regular basis. And that's a part of the process for me. We try to share in a little bit deeper level and hold each other, uh, encourage one another and help you hope we hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, in family relationships and mentorships and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Have you had any mentors in your life, John, that have helped you in this whole process? Yeah, I, I really have. Um, when, there's there's a variety of people I could list on that. I could I could list my dad certainly as a mentor, somebody that that he owned a grocery store when I was growing up, and uh, he taught me the value of hard work and entrepreneurship and dealing with adversity in a variety of ways because he didn't really have much of a safety net there. He ran the business and it either succeeded or it didn't succeed, and so. Uh, even though my my vocation is different from his, there are a lot of things that I learned from working side by side with my father in the family grocery store. And so I would definitely list my father as a mentor in many respects. Uh, and and then also uh, during the the early years of my ministry, I, I leaned pretty heavily on uh, another pastor that had first hired me to be the youth director at his church, and uh, and then over time, you know, gave me more and more opportunity to speak and lead and do different things, and and so I've had the opportunity to reach out to to him and to. Um, you know, really just lean on his wisdom as he's basically one generation older than I am, and then as far as uh, books go. I, I mean, I read 
so much. And I see, you know, I, I know we're on a podcast, so people can't see uh, what's behind you. I see that you probably read a lot too, because there's a yes. whole series of, of books there. And yes, and I, I'm one of those people that's guilty of buying more books than I, I think I will ever be able to, to read. You know, I, I have yes. good intentions to read everything I've, I've purchased. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a variety of authors that write in the leadership space, in uh, the spiritual growth space, in, um, in, in, even in things like personal finance and things like that. Uh, those are some of the things that I, that I really have appreciated reading. And the list is pretty long. <laughs> yes. I have regular conversations with my wife about my Amazon and other bookstore budgets that uh, yeah. get like, a little out of hand sometimes. It easily does. I'm, and, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm i one of those. I get lots of books, and sometimes I'll just glean maybe one chapter, sometimes even a few pages, and I find it of value. Sure. And sometimes I consume the, the whole book and, you know, voracious reader, and that helps us to uh, be make a contributor to others. You know, we can't share with others unless we've been fed ourselves. And exactly. So, but you do, uh, do a lot of sharing with others. Uh, I don't know how many books you've written, but several, you've got a new book coming out, uh, uh, soon called dwell on these things. Mm -hmm. And then you put out two daily podcasts and another podcast as well. These are all indicators that you're producing great content. But I'd like you to speak for a minute about uh, disciplines in your life, uh, about uh, self-disciplines, habits, rituals, maybe morning routines. I want to hear some practical things that might be helpful to uh, to our audience here on Beyond Adversity that help them to implement some of the other things that you've talked about here. So tell us a little bit about your self-disciplines. Well, Two of the self-disciplines that I think really contribute to some of the things that you're listing there that I get done, one is accountability. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I like to surround myself with, with people that will keep me accountable and are waiting for me to actually produce some of the things that, that, you're, that you reference there. I, I feel like if it's not just in my head, if I know that there are actually people that are going to ask me about it, things tend to get done. And then the other discipline that I think really helps me out is to be very selective with how much time I spend in front of a TV. And I've gotten to the point, I made a goal a few years ago. I thought, I want this year to be a year that I watch less TV than ever. And uh, that has been, for the past few years, a pattern that I've kept. And what has happened is, in that time, I've, I've replaced that time with more productive activity. So I'll use that time to write or record or build relationships. And uh, I have been really, really grateful for the fact that I decided to make that, that transition. And for me, you know, you know it's, it used to be that I would watch news constantly. And it dawned on me, I thought, you know, all this does is just make me feel bad. <laughs> you know, when I, like this just, if there's any, ever anything that can just sour your mood, it's watching too much news. And I would watch too much news. And I thought, I got I to gotta cut that out. And, um, and then a variety of other things. And the more I cut out, the, the more productive I felt. And so the combination of, of having people that genuinely check in on me and are genuinely, uh, you know, looking for me to do the things that I've committed to do, and then, and then using the time that I used to waste just sitting there staring at a, at a TV screen, using it to write, record, or build relationships has been a huge help. And those are two, those are probably the two most productive habits that I could list for you right off the top of my head. 
Um, but a third one is this. I'll, I'll even mention this. I've noticed that what gets on my calendar happens and what stays in my mind and, and like the world of good intentions doesn't tend to happen. And so I made a decision with my wife a few years ago that once a quarter, we would do something where we as a family just went away. And usually what happens is once a quarter, so every three months, we'll take time, sometimes just a few days or sometimes it's a week, and we'll rent a cabin somewhere different and we'll just disappear from the world. And I feel like that helps me recharge and then come back ready to go. And so we do that every three months. And that's, that's another thing I'd list in those disciplines. that has been a huge help. So kind of like a mini uh, Sabbath or sabbatical type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You mentioned a couple of things there, John, that I think are so important. The screen time and the distraction culture that we live in, uh, you know, t- you television alone, you know, I am guilty of the, of the news thing, for instance, you know, news junkie and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And especially, you know, events of the world cause me at times to get really consumed by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also with the world of social media and so on, it's just so easy to fall into that rabbit hole. Of course, as you know, a lot of those things are just designed psychologically and, uh, and even, <laughs> even, neuro, even neurologically and other things like that to go you down that rabbit hole and keep you going there. I, well, just one quick example for me, I'm an old rock and roll disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can get stuck in on uh, YouTube videos about old concerts and things like this and uh, music videos from the seventies, especially and away I go. And if I w- uh, look up and it's been three hours or whatever, but right. I think that's so important that you get control of that. I wondered if you have put any kind of, um, I don't know, framework or any accountability on that, or have just been able to do, be able to mentally to, to do this for yourself. Have you, I know there are even some technological tools that some people use. I'm not all that familiar with them to help you limit your screen time and so on. It, for me, it's just, uh, as far as limiting the screen time, it's be, it's setting up workspace in a different room from where I have the TV. Mm-hmm. So I, I do a lot of work at home. I set up a separate office and I don't have a TV here in this office space. Yes. So that, that's one thing, uh, and that's been immensely helpful. But as far as the social media, one of the things that I did a few months ago, and I, I do this from time to time, I'll go back and forth on this, but when I feel like the social media time is increasing too much, I one of the easiest things for me to do is to just take that off that app off the, the front page of my, uh, my, my smartphone. Yes. If I take it off the front page and put it in a folder and make it so that I have to dig a little bit for it, that definitely limits the time because it becomes less intuitive and uh, it almost becomes like a a muscle memory thing where we're checking Facebook or checking Twitter or whatever it may be. And, um, and if you just kind of interrupt that muscle memory, I know for me that that's been a big help when I feel like I need to take a break from it. Yeah. And what we're really talking about here is you take control of that. That helps you get uh, by your focus then, and that helps you get into a flow of in a better place, much more productive place to be. And, you know, you're, you're drawing on some of those things that make you feel better. You know, at least Definitely. for me, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. When I get out of my own head, uh, get out of, and certainly get out of the, the dopamine hits of, uh, uh, you know, for me, all that news and music right. videos would be kind of a dopamine hit as well. And to break out of that pattern and to be productive, myself. And so you certainly have, have done that in terms of how that's manifested. And I'd like you to speak for a minute about what you, 
uh, one of the uh, ex- uh, external or outwardly uh, focus, outwardly facing just what you have is you do have a couple of daily uh, podcasts, uh, biblical related and devotional uh, related. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how that has been a part of your process. You said others keep you accountable as well. I'm assuming some of that's your audience that's out there who help keep you accountable on that. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit of how that has manifested itself and keep you know, being productive uh, you know, in an outward facing way, how that been a part of the transformation for you as well. Well, it's interesting when I started writing books and when I started uh, when I started the podcast and then when I started blogging, you, you don't do so with any true knowledge of who's going to use what you produce. You hope that what you're producing is valuable to people, but you don't truly know if people are going to make use of it. But I was amazed when I first started writing the books and I could see the metrics because most of them were being sold on Amazon and I would see people using it and I would get feedback from it and people writing to me and people messaging me and I, it would egg me on to do more. Well, soon after that, I got into podcasting and I got into podcasting in late 2015 at a time where people were still kind of unfamiliar with it. When I would mention it to people, it seemed like most people weren't super familiar with it. And the first year or so, you know, the show started to grow. I started with the chapter a day audio Bible and then eventually added dwell on these things and then daily devotions with with Pastor John. Uh, But when it went from 10 downloads to 100 to several hundred to thousands, and and then it started to be thousands on an individual day. And then uh, now at this point, there it's just about at 5 million downloads. And I get feedback very, very regularly from listeners to those podcasts because there's it, it hit an exponential growth curve. And at this point now, you know, when I'm here where I record, I think of those faces that some I've had the opportunity to see or interact with, but most I haven't. But I think, all right, there are people that wait for this every day and I can't skip a day. You know, I can't skip a day. I don't want to skip a day. Because yes. I'm thinking of them. Well, here's what I'm here's what I would reflect with you on that one. Just to, the extrapolation of what happened there. You had some personal transformation yourself. Then you made the commitment to go for it, even though you weren't 100 percent sure about any feedback or whatever right. it would be. And then it built, 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 and all of a sudden, your personal transformation has led to tremendous impact. Five million downloads is. Mm-hmm unreal and <laughs> from my perspective, but uh, yay God uh, for that. But I just want to say, share with, you know, that's the impact that can happen when you choose a life of uh, personal transformation. It can not only be for you. It can be uh, how God's wired you up to impact uh, the world. So that's awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more. Uh, I want us to speak very pragmatically right now to someone who is out there who is stuck, to mm-hmm. who maybe feels like, okay, maybe there's got to be more to life than this, mm-hmm. but I'm still kind of stuck here. So that can be people in any walk of life. It can be, you know, you and I are pastors. It could be people in our walk of life or could see somebody in any walk of life mm-hmm. uh, that can find themselves stuck. But tell me a little bit about what you might say to that person who has found there's perhaps something regarding the COVID crisis or something else that's happened that they feel a little uh, stuck. What kind of advice or encouragement would you give to that person who's in that position right now? 
I, I think one of the best things they could do for starters is just admit it, start calling it what it is, you know, don't give it a fancy name. Don't decorate it. Just admit that you're feeling stuck or that you're feeling down or that you're feeling depressed, what, whatever word you want to give to it, but don't, don't try and make it seem like it's not a big deal. Treat it like it's actually a big deal and, and purpose in your heart that, there's more to life than that stuck that valley that you seem stuck in. And uh, I, I think it helps, you know, right away to just call it into the light because I think a lot of, t- a lot of times these things take hold in our life because we either try to pretend like they're not happening or we give it a friendly sounding name or we start wrapping our identity around our struggle instead of realizing we've been designed to step out of this sort of thing. This isn't something that we need to stay in forever. We can learn from our trials, but we don't have to stay in those valleys for protracted periods of time unnecessarily. You know, we learn, we grow, but let's not pretend it's something nicer than it really is sometimes. Let's call it out for what it is and then start to to take some positive steps to, to move beyond it. And then, you know, from there, I, I mean, the best I can advise somebody is to do what I feel has worked for me, prayer and accountability, you know, prayer and accountability, and then, and then kind of acting on the things that, you know, as the, the Lord speaks to your heart and as other people you trust speak to your heart, take action to actually do the things that you're being encouraged and advised to do. Let somebody else lift you up. Let somebody else give you counsel. Let somebody else lend you their strength when you feel sapped of your strength, but get in motion because they always say motion improves emotion. So if we can get in motion, uh, I I think that that certainly has a, a, a very positive effect on how we end up feeling overall. And one of those persons and one of, one of those ways of doing that is finding uh, great resources to help us. You, we have to go from our earlier conversation. Every, every person has to come to their point or their aha moment or their I've had enough moment where they have to choose to make a decision. But they can, as you mentioned, can call on other people and other resources. And certainly your website, DesireJesus.com, has lots of resources on it, as you do with, uh, upcoming, with several books that you publish and upcoming book, Dwell on These Things. Uh, maybe people, somebody wants to reach out to your website and your resources. What are they going to find there, John, that might be helpful to that person uh, who's looking to uh, make some changes themselves? If they stop by desirejesus.com, they're going to see a variety of things. They're going to see, obviously, the resources that you mentioned as far as books and things like that. But they're also going to see several years of blog content. So going back to 2017, so about four years of very consistent blog content that they can search by topic. So if somebody's dealing with anxiety, all they have to do is just put the word anxiety in the search area, and they'll be able to see various things that have been written related to that particular topic or parenting or finances or discouragement or accountability or any of those things. They'll just be able to put that in now. And there's enough of a bank of resources there that there'll be something for them to read, but there'll also be things for them to listen to because all the different training events, all the different podcasts, we have it all on the, the, in the podcast section there where, where they'll be able to listen to that content. So maybe that'll be something that's useful to them. Maybe, you know, if I'm going through a season where, where, you know, I'm sharing something from a position of, of strength, maybe that can help somebody else if they're going through a season where they feel like they're at a spot of weakness. And so there's a lot of content there, both audio and, um, 
and just being able to, to, you know, content to read that I, I truly hope will help people find joy and encouragement in the midst of their daily circumstances. It's certainly meant to. And so uh, we, we try and make that, that website as robust as we can. There isn't a week that goes by that more content isn't being added to it. There's something being added to it constantly, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow uh, with resources that I, I truly hope will be a help to people. What a great, uh, a great resource that you've offered uh, to folks out there. And of course, people can even uh, go to your website to see all that. And they can also, you know, it actually comes out to, to them if they decide to connect up with your, your daily uh, podcast as well. And so absolutely, lots of opportunities are out there. And I just want to thank you for what you've shared here uh, today, John, some great stuff, helpful to our audience. I know, and just want to thank uh, John Stanji for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. I know that you benefited from that great conversation we had today with John Stange, uh, the author of Desire Jesus. It is an awesome book for you to check out if you are stuck in your life. If you have been, find yourself dissolved into negative self-talk or discouraged or doubtful, and especially if you're a man or woman of faith, you're going to find some great things to, to uh, be adhered to from a biblical perspective. Even if you're not a man or woman of faith, I invite you to check this out for ways this can be, help you be encouraged by things of a higher realm, of a spiritual realm, which can speak into your life. It's a 31-day process, and there's also helpful cards that you can get as a, long, as a companion to the book that can help you as well. You can go to his uh, website, desirejesus.com, and his book, Dwell on These Things, as well as his other books are there as well. You can also check out his books at uh, all the regular places to check out books as well. It's been recently released. Uh, Amazon and so on as well. You can check that out. Let me give you just three takeaways that I think that you can take with you from our conversation today. One of those, there's three things here. One of those is to practice seeing yourself in the loving way that God sees you. The second is to exchange negative self-talk that you have in your life with positive messages, particularly from the scriptures, from the Bible. If you're not a Bible reader, I encourage you to get into the Bible, and there's plenty of biblical references uh, in this book, Dwell on These Things, to help you out. You can also go to his website, Desire Jesus, to see many other helpful things to help you as well, including his three podcasts, including a daily biblical podcast, which can all be helpful to you. So the first was practicing yourself in the loving way God sees you. And the second is to exchange negative self-talk for a, with a positive biblical message. And the third takeaway is to learn to face each day with hope in your heart. And that's about taking action. That's about taking action in your life, learning and implementing hope in your heart, even when things may seem a bit hopeless. Practice hope. Here at the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, we're all about practicing hope, about practicing encouragement, about giving good things in your life to help you to navigate through all the negative nonsense that's out there. Uh, things like depression and divorce and disease and death and uh, even debt. 
All those things are real. Of course they are, but you can get through them. And we talk about a process called the ACTS, the ACTS process, which it starts, the A is for action, taking action, uh, and, and having a bias towards action. The C in ACTS is to connect with a higher power, a biblical power, or a power of spiritual power higher than yourself. The T in the word ACTS is to think with discipline. And the S is to serve others with love. You can do this. Apply yourself. We're here to be helpful. You can go to our website, drbradmiller.com, and find lots of back episodes of the Beyond Adversity podcast with lots of people who can be helpful to speak into your life, as well as a free gift for you there. I truly believe it's about making a promise to yourself to change. You can do this. You can navigate and believe that you can get through whatever adverse condition is in your life and indeed emerge to a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. It's by making a promise and keeping a promise and knowing that there's power in a promise kept. So until next time, friends, when we join you again on the Beyond Adversity podcast, this, this is Dr. Brad Miller. I want to encourage you to continue to do all the good that you can. 